Um, we are starting this year. We started this year actually last week, our first week of the year. And uh, where were you guys? Where were you? We got snowed out uh, last week, and I hope you listened to that message because all of the scriptures that I'm going to be talking about today, I'm not able to go back and, and share all those. That's what we preach in series. Um, but I'll show the, the main theme of this, the, the script. There we go. All right. So here's our main scripture. By the way, if you can pull up the app, um, the sermon notes are, are in the app, and there's some, some notes there for you to take. But here's the theme scripture of the entire series, God's promise. Can we read this aloud together? God's promise of entering his rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. All right, this rest is what we're going to talk about. God has a place of rest that he wants you to be living in, and it's so important to him that you should be trembling with fear if you're failing to experience it. Why should you tremble with fear? Because if you're failing to experience it, you're not going to be doing his will. You can't. You can't. I mean, his will is that you share the love of God with the world. How many of you can't do that in your own energy? You have a hard time loving your own kids in your own energy, right? If it's just left to you, does anybody in this room ever just get crabby? Ever? Ever? And if it was just left to you, the love of God would not be shed abroad in the world. No, and that's just the fact. But notice that it's his rest. It's his. It's his grace. It's his strength. And the definition that we're going to use uh, is it's God's strength to live the life that he prepared. Pre is the word there. He's prepared it for you. And it is entirely possible to miss the life that God has prepared for you. And again, remember, he said that you should tremble in fear uh, that that you might miss it. Because again, you're not going to accomplish, you can't. It's impossible to accomplish God's will without his strength, without his grace. You can't do it. That's why we should tremble with fear. So let me give you the quickest and easiest test to know if, uh, there'll be more than this, but here's the quickest, easiest test to know right now. How am I doing at living in God's rest? All right, easiest question. Who do you not like? Who bugs you? Now, if we're honest, most of us in this room have somebody to fill in that blank with. Most of us have somebody that comes to our mind really quick. Who do you not like? Our number one command is to love Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus even taught us to love our enemies. Not only did he teach it, but he did it. Hanging on the cross with people killing him. He prayed for them to be forgiven. So let me ask you a different question. Who can you not forgive? Well, let me just, let's just state it more correctly. Who in your life is not worthy of forgiveness? Those, that buzzard, he doesn't deserve it. Come on, who, who fills that blank in your life? Now, can I just do just a little bit of meddling here? Can I show you how deception works? Can I let, let me just let's just let's just pull the cover on deception real quick. We actually believe we actually have a really good reason and we actually believe it. 
we actually believe this person actually shouldn't be forgiven, or it just makes sense in our brain. But yeah, okay, okay, Jesus, yeah, I get it. You know, he said, love all people, love your enemies, but Brian, if you only knew, if you actually knew what's going on, and if you actually knew that this continues to happen, if you actually understood, then you call deception. That's, that's it. I mean, you, you take the base, most basic command, don't obey it, and have an excellent reason. Called deception. That's what it is. And even after explaining that, most of us will leave here still dug into that trench, still believing it's normal, which is why we should fear. Why don't we? Why don't we fear not entering and living in God's love and his grace? Why do we not fear it? Because, again, deception. We think that, well, I would if. And the truth is, again, I want to say it again. You, you are. We're, we're accurate in this. That person can't be loved with your great, with your strength. Can't be. You're right. You have an excellent excuse. You're right. They continue to be a buzzard. You're right. And by the way, that love doesn't mean that you're going to want to invite them over for dinner every day, but it does mean, and this is the most glorious thing about Christ, if you have opened your heart to Christ and the Spirit of Christ, that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what God allows you to experience, no matter what people do to you, the, the grace of God, the love of God in your heart cannot be taken out. It can't be taken away. You, you can... The, Scripture says you can, you can kill the body. The psalm says, what can man do to me? What is he saying? Well, they can kill your body. Jesus said they can kill the body, but they can't take your faith, your love. They can't take it. But once that is taken, and again, I'm, I'm going to say the same thing a few times here. It is pretty normal for that to be taken, that, that rest, that grace, that love. But once that's taken, then things fall away. But the truth is, that by, because it's God who's upholding it, that's why we should fear missing it, is because it isn't your energy. If you don't have grace and love in your heart, you've shut God out. It's not just the people or that, that deserve anger. You've shut God out because it's God's energy. It's God's spirit that loves through you. That's why we should fear. Go back to the, the scripture again, the first scripture. The first scripture. There we go. No, the first one. There we go. God, let's read it out loud one more time. God's promise of entering his rest, stop right there, it's his, still stand, let's read it again, still stands, so we ought to tremble that fear that some of you might fail to experience it. It's in his grace, it's in his rest, that all of the energy is to do these things that he's called us to do. And again, the fear is, is because if I'm living without that grace, it's because I've shut him out, because it's his grace, it's his spirit. He keeps coming. I keep resisting him. I didn't just resist him one time. I, I, keep, I keep him out, and that's what deception does. It keeps him out. I actually believe I've got a great excuse. It keeps him out. So we are going to throw those excuses out and we are going to experience God's rest and God's grace in 2024, right? Aren't you excited about that? Huh? Living by God with God's grace, God's energy. And if, if, if that's been sucked out of you, man, we're going to see it, uh, see it filled by God's grace. It could happen today. Could happen today. I'm going to give you a couple of reasons how and why we miss 
this rest. One of them I've just given you, and that's just deception. Just honestly believing I've got a good excuse that, well, there's your number one. But uh, the first one I want to share with you quickly, how do we miss this, this, this rest, this place of rest? It should be. It is a place of rest. It's a place of love. Now, by the way, rest in our mind means sleeping. Rest, that's not rest in God's economy. Rest means you're living. Actually, it's energizing. You're living by his grace. The reason it's called rest is because it's his energy. It's not yours. Okay, that's why it's referred to as rest. Remember, it's God's strength to live the life he prepared for you. So how do we miss it? Just a couple of things I'm going to share with you. One of them, oddly enough, is a failure to feast. A failure to feast. Now, this probably isn't the number one issue. I mean, the, the biggest thing in our but it, it might be for some of you. We just, we just advertised uh, life groups. If that sounds like a ridiculous thing to you, uh, this is you. Did you know that in the Old Testament that God uh, put on the calendar, under the law, God put on the calendar seven, during a year, seven uh, feasts. I mean, these were, were the whole nation supposed to get together. Seven during the, during the year. Those are, these are annual parties, okay? That doesn't mean that, that they're, they're in their own home, in their own life, they're never supposed to feast beyond that. But he's saying that seven different times. You know how many fasts he put on the calendar? One. He, he evermore expects us to, but there's something to feast, but to get together with God's people. Now, a life group is, is more than that, but that is a massive part of a life group. If you're never feasting with those people and just enjoying each other, just laughing with each other, occasionally laughing at each other, man, you, you just, you, and, and I'm, you're not, you are not going to enter God's rest and his grace. You're not going to experience his grace all alone. Just, just I don't need that. Back, just me and my Bible. Just me and my Bible. That's all I need. All, no, no. I tried that. <laughs> no, you're going to need some people. By the way, probably the most famous scripture on joy. How many have heard the scripture before? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you know that we are so classic at ripping things out of their context? And we don't even know the context. Let's just, here's, here's the verse. Uh, then he said to them, go your way. He's talking about a feast. Go your way, eat the fat. That means, that means a fatty steak, believe it or not. Yes, you, are, you have a command from God to eat a fatty steak, all right? Eat the fat, drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. He says, you know, I mean, if, if there's poor people who don't have anything, make sure they're in on the feast too. For this day is holy to our Lord. What should you be doing on a holy day? Not a trick question. What, what should you be doing? Feasting. By the way, that does not compute in the Christian brain. Remember that probably the most famous parable that Jesus told is the parable of the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal comes home, dad's throwing a feast. You guys remember the story? You've heard this one before? Okay. Uh, the, the prodigal son comes home, and then there's the older son who's been in the fields. And he, hear, he comes in and hears music and dancing and celebratory, and, and he's angry. You know who the older son is? You know who he represents? Crusty Christians. He represents us. And, and he comes, and you know what he says to his dad? 
He says, Dad, I've been slaving for you. I've been faithful. I've been to church every week. I read my Bible. I even got the journal. I bought the journal. I paid 10 bucks for the journal. And every day I filled it in. I've been slaving for you, God. Well, he's talking to his dad. I've been slaving for you, Dad. I never missed. And you, you remember what he said to his dad? And you never even gave me a skinny goat so I could have a party with my friends. And that, that makes sense to Christian brains. Like, yeah, yeah, the holy you are, everybody knows this, the holy you are, the more miserable you are. Right? Absolutely. You can always tell who's most holy. They're the most crabby. Wow, is that a... Anybody remember, what does the father say to the older son? Concerning, concerning his report that you never gave me a skinny goat to have a party with my friends. Come on, shout it out. What did he say to his son? Everything I have is yours. Right, everything I have is yours. Two things. He said, first of all, I said, son, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. What is he just saying to his son? He's saying, there's the fridge. I, son, I didn't realize you were waiting for me to drag you to the fridge. Open it. Son, did you know this thing had a handle on it? You didn't know that. Oh, my gosh, I feel so bad. I, I thought you knew there was a handle on this thing. Yeah, well, here, let me introduce you to the handle. Oh, it opens. Wow. What, what is the point? See, under the law, God commanded feasts. Grace expects you to go to the fridge. Grace is freedom. And if we're idiots, we will use our freedom to make ourselves miserable. I mean, you got to be slow, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of there were, there's a lot of slow ones. We honestly believe that that I I can't you know I can't please God and feast. That's actually what He instituted. Now I get it, and I understand all the you know, Pastor Brian. You know, if we do that, if we just become a feasting people, you know, we're all going to be fat, lazy, glutton, drunkards and no, that's not true. If you're doing it with God and in His Spirit, His Spirit is not a, a spirit of gluttony, and that's not, that's not the way it works. It's love, it's grace, it's joy. By the way, we never finished the, the verse. Uh, Go your way, eat fat, drink sweet wine, send portions to those who have nothing, for this day is holy to the Lord, and do not be grieved. God's literally commanding you, do not be grieved, do not be crabby, do not be a curmudgeon, do not be the older son. Do not be the Christian who thinks you're so holy because you're so miserable. Do not be grieved for, and then here's the only part that we know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It doesn't work just to rip it out of there and say, okay, well, I could just sit in the corner with my Bible and the joy of the Lord is my strength. No, you actually have to get together with people. You do. You do. That's why we, why does the church organize 
life groups. And by the way, just to reiterate what Tom said, by the way, in, on the chairs in front of you is a QR code. You just scan that. And all we're asking you to do is, if you're interested in joining a life group, just give us your name so that we can know the numbers of groups. What we don't want to do is, we've got leaders trained, is put together a bunch of groups that there's not people to join. So if you're willing to join a group, and then you'll have options of days. We'll get that to you next week. But if please, just put your name in if you're willing to join a life group. Um, so number one is just failure to feast. And I want to say this one more time. We'll move on. The law put feasts on your calendar, and you were under condemnation if you didn't. Can you imagine that? You're getting in trouble for not feasting, right? Grace expects you to get your buttocks to the fridge. Do I need to say that again? Expects you to enjoy God. God actually expects you to enjoy him. He expects you to enjoy him, his grace. He has created an amazing world. I know there's sin all over in it, but his grace is still here. His spirit is still here, and he expects you to enjoy his people. There are good people. I, I, don't, know if, I don't know if you know this, but around here at Life Church, we got a lot of good people here. Did you know that? Is, is there any good people in Life Church? How many are sitting close to one? I mean, they're awesome. They're like, these people would actually be, it'd be fun to like to go to their house. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I keep this really well. I remember one time I was keeping this. And long story, but I went over to Keith's house and he had a freezer full of ice cream. That's, a, that's another sermon for another day. Let's move on here to number two. <laughs> that's kind of a problem. I'll try to joke of him. Uh, the second way that we miss God's rest is failure to feast is failure to understand God's seasons. God doesn't, God never changes, but he does change how he acts towards you, how he responds to you, what the way his spirit is working in your life. He does change that. He's not changing, but he will change the way he's moving in your life. Let me just read you quick. Let's go to the, the scripture of Gideon. Gideon's story in the Old Testament is a good example. The angel of the Lord, we're just going to read, this is a story from the book of Judges, chapter 6. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, Gideon, and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Who knows? That's good news. When God shows up, sends an angel, and says the Lord is with you, that's good news, right? Sir, Gideon replied, if, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? They were they were they had been overcome by their enemies and there's tough times tough times in Israel. Um, why has all this happened to us? Where, and where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Why? Where, if the Lord is with. By the way, does this have you ever said this out loud or felt this way? You come to church and you hear the Lord is with you. I say that all the time. I tell people, God is with you. I mean, it's so universal. He is. He is. He is. Even texting. I'm like, that's one of my go-to. You know, God is with you. And uh, I think we've all felt this. And because we, you know, we know the biblical answer. Okay, God never leaves us. So God is with me. But if we're just honest, we all have had times where we feel like this. Like, really, if God is with me, why did this happen to my dad? Why did this happen to me? Why, if God is with me, why this? And where are the miracles? Anybody ever felt that way? Oh, come on. Yeah. 
he's, uh, didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? Man, there's a lot of miracles there. Parting the Red Sea and feeding them with manna. Come on, God. And we all know, we all know that if God would just keep coming through with constant miracles, we would all live in joy and peace and full of faith because that's, I mean, the example in the Old Testament is really easy to see that when God was feeding them with manna every day, the people were fully obedient and full of joy and their worship was intense and they were faithful and they never, they were never tempted to sin, right? Holy cow. They were a train wreck. They were an, why were they such a train wreck? I mean, Moses goes up to get the commands of God. They've literally heard the voice of God shake this mountain and they're, they're, they're trembling in fear. And so they, they're, they're, I mean, God is like there and they're down there. And a few days later, they're building an idol of a golden calf. How in the world? See, when God is really active, he's carrying you and you tend to think it's you. You tend to think that when God is, because this happens to every person of faith, if you have real faith, that's because God has revealed himself to you. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, and when you open the door to Jesus Christ, when he comes in, you know. How many, he makes an entrance, and you know it. And there's some miracles. First, the, the, the most intense miracle by far is what God does internally, and you, God introduces himself. And when, when that's happening, and, and this is almost universal, that when you first receive Christ, there is a period of a, a week, a month, a year, where you are literally fed by God manna every single day, and you think it's you. You think it's your discipline, because you probably are reading your Bible. But how many knows that when a, when a sailboat is going exactly the direction that the wind is pushing it, you can think you are a champion salesman. I don't think that's the word. Sailor. Salesman. I'm a sailor. <laughs> uh, Keith will get me on that one later. You can think you're a champion sailor winning the race, but the truth is you aren't doing a darn thing. You just put the sail up and you're just, you know, but you think it's you. And we do our moments of, of highest worship. And we remember, remember those times and all oh, the worship was so intense and, and we were experiencing Jesus and we were, we had tears and we had snot and we had the whole thing. And it's like, oh, and we were, and we were on a regular basis reading our Bibles. And we thought, oh man, I was so disciplined during that time. And we think, and we, we want to reduce our relationship with God down to math. And, and if I could just get back to, to disciplining, to worshiping like I did then and praying like I did then, and, and we get weird in our head and we think, oh, and we blame other people. Oh, I remember back then Brandon used to sing this song. Yeah, yeah, when I was crying. He was singing. He didn't sing that song anymore. Yeah, it's Brandon's fault. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's the reality? The reality is, is God backs up. He, he doesn't back up his presence, but that wind where he's literally doing the work for you, he backs that up. Because that is 
that's dangerous stuff. When it's all God, there's literally, you are, you think you're disciplined, but you're not, you're not changing really. He's pushing, he's, he's guiding you to a better place. And, and you need that to kick things off. Otherwise you would have no faith. People misunderstand faith. People who don't have faith think that we just kind of like Santa Claus, you know, we just believe and we just mustered up this. We somehow convinced ourselves that we believe in this entity that we've never experienced. When the fact is faith is, it's just like sight in the physical, you know, how, what would it take for you to convince yourself that Pastor Brian does not exist? What would it take? I mean, how loony would you have to be? How many, how much gymna mental gymnastics would you have to go through a, a week, a month, a year from now to convince yourself that, that I do not exist? You, you probably couldn't do it. Well, faith is exactly that way. God has introduced himself. It's spiritual, so it's not physical, but that faith is the automatic. It's sight. It's like once he introduces himself, and that's why faith begins that way. Faith begins with his introduction, and not always, but for the vast majority of us, it is quite emotional for quite some time. And then he backs up a little bit. And that's exactly what's happened, and that's what's happening in Gideon's life and in Israel at this time. Uh, so he says, you know, here's what used to happen, but now. Everybody say, but now. Oh, come on, come on. Come on. Say, say, but now. But now, but now, the Lord's abandoned us. Yeah. Yeah. It stinks now. Used to be good when Brandon sang the good songs. But now, now the Lord's abandoned us and he's handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him, to Gideon, and said, and here's the line. Can we read that out loud together? Go with the strength you have. Oh. Man, we don't like that. We don't want to do that. that you know what? That's hard. We're, maybe you're not there today. Maybe you're feeling all, it's, it's all zeal and emotion for you. Maybe you're in one of those seasons. Praise God. Praise God. And when you are, when the wind is blowing, you, you, man, you, you're ready to go. You know, whatever God says, whoo, let's go. When, you, when you're in one of those but now times, man, you don't want to hear this. Because you think you have no strength. It's just, but it's not true. That little strength that you have is actually him. But he's doing this intentionally because he wants you to be involved. He wants you to become a better sailor. He wants you to navigate, to use the wind. By, has anybody ever navigated a sailboat? Oddly enough, I took a class in college uh, on sailing. I went to the only college in America that has, I think there's other classes that have a sailing class, but I went to the only college in America that had a class on uh, water skiing. Yeah, I took some summer classes. I'm a... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, not many people can say they're college certified to water skiing. <laughs> yeah, anyways, um, <laughs> they're typical. I played football. <laughs> I take water skiing. <laughs> Sorry, let's move on. When you're in this phase, you don't feel like you you have, but you have the strength to do it. But you do, and this is what God wants. God actually prefers this. 
He does because he wants you to be making decisions. He wants you at the core of your being to just have this much in you that, God, I want to do your will. Even when it's hard, I want to. And you know what? I mean, we're, you're in a good spot. Somehow you got yourself to church. There's probably at least two of you who it was. A, anybody, let's just be honest. How many, how many are here that it was actually a battle to get yourself out of the sack this morning? Come on, raise your hand if that was you. It was a battle. I mean, you had to fight the devil himself just to, <laughs> just to get out of Hey, man, that, that's reality. There's times where that's, that's serious stuff. You're like, you got to duke it out with Lucifer just to get... But that is where reward, that not just God's rewards, God's rest. You find if you'll keep doing that, if you'll keep doing that, he wants to be a cooperation. He wants you to be in the game, and that's where you change. It doesn't feel as good. It doesn't feel as strong. It doesn't. But go with the strength you have. God is sending Gideon to fight for Israel, to fight for people. The number one command is love, and you can always tell if you're in his rest, you are fighting for people. You're fighting for your own soul. You're fighting to maintain the love of God. And by the way, if you're going to maintain a forgiving heart, it's going to be a fight. How many has proven that? If you're going to maintain a loving heart, I mean, if you're going to love your own life, if you're going to love yourself your whole life, that's going to take a fight. If you're going to love your spouse your whole life, there's going to take a time. Well, that's a fight. And I don't mean fighting with them. I mean fighting spiritually to overcome your own lies of, of unforgiveness. You're going to have to fight to maintain. But it goes beyond that. You're going to fight for people. Fight. People are, are being attacked. People are being overcome. You have people around you who are being overcome with depression and discouragement and disease. And, and God wants you in their life, which, again, is why we ask you to join a life group. Maybe you look around, here's what's pretty normal. You look around and you think, I'm the only one with problems. It's easy to sit here on a Sunday morning and say, well, Pastor Ben, I would join a life group, but I have problems. And I'm sitting here with all these perfect people. Look at them. Look at them. They look so, they look so stately. So stately. Look at Samantha and Melissa up here. So stately. Just perfect. And, and, and it is true with you two. You, everything is perfect in your lives, right? Everything's perfect. Roses. Your husband brings you roses probably, what, three, four times a week usually? And <laughs> no, but it's, it's, we believe lies. We get lies in our head when we don't get together with God's people. But when you get together, you realize it's a battle for everybody. God intended it that way. God doesn't want it all to be wind. He wants you to make hard choices, to go in the strength. Let's say this out loud. Say, go with the strength you have. Go with the strength you have. One more time. Go with the strength you have. One more time. Go. Don't ever forget that. That's what he wants. Especially, double dog especially, when you feel like that strength is that big. Oh, that's the good stuff. That's where you are changing. And don't forget, even that little strength, it's him. It's him. Rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. <clears throat> Gideon's not done. But Lord, Gideon replied, how, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I just so happen to be. You just happen to find the least in my entire family. You know what he just said? My, my clan is the weakest. You know, Essentially, if you track with this, he's reduced himself down to being the worst person, the weakest in the entire nation. He knows it. 
you suppose he interviewed everybody else in Israel to discover? I'm actually in the... What are you listening? You're listening to deception. That's what a brain believes. Well, I would, but I, I just happen to be the worst. I mean, of everybody. I guess mathematically, somebody has to be at the bottom. I, I guess it's possible he's there, but I kind of doubt it. No, that's, but that's the human brain. And I'm the least in my family, but the Lord said to him, one more, let's, let's read this. I'll be with you. I am with you. I will be with you. I was with you. No, I'm not going to drop manna on you every day because it's not going to help you like you think. God wants to fill us. God wants us to experience his rest. It's a life of doing his will. Yes, there are moments of really hard decisions, to, but man, we do ourselves a favor just to make put some decisions just in stone. Do yourself the biggest favor and just put some decisions in stone where you don't ask yourself how you feel. Put reading your Bible someplace in stone. Because if you keep asking yourself, how do I feel about reading my Bible? Just, just, just keep reading. Keep reading. And let it pierce you. How about, how about coming to church? Just put it in stone. Don't wait until you feel like it. Sooner or later, you're not going to feel like it. I think you should put finding a life group. Find some people. Yeah, just put it in stone. How about loving your wife? Men. You think that one should just be in stone? Just being, just being, uh, when I come home from work, I'm going to go to the same home every time. Do you think we should put, you think we could put that one in cement? I'm not getting many amens here. You guys want to keep your options open? What's going on here? Can we put that one in cement, man? Let me hear, a, let me hear a, 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 an amen with some bass. Amen. All right. Just put that one in stone, right? We don't, have to, we don't have to decide every night. Ah, whose house am I going to? No, just, just put them in stone. And if we'll just, even when it's hard, I'm going to love and give and serve. We're going to find God's grace coming through in ways. We're going to find his energy filling us. Oh, it's his rest, his rest. There's more grace. There's more energy on the other side of some hard decisions. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? God of heaven, you're, you are with us. You are. You are with us. Jesus, we know that you are with us. Lord, we know, Lord, that you, not only are you with us, when you came to this earth, you paid the price so that all of our sin could be gone. Even when we do, if we messed up a thousand times, we get forgiven because of your grace. Thank you for that. You hopefully received and took a communion cup on your way in. Would you pull that out and take the bread out? Just hold on to it. Don't eat it quite yet. And I'm going to pray, and then we'll receive this bread. This bread represents the body of Christ, broken for us, and if this is making sense, I hope that you realize that this rest, this grace, this energy that we're talking about that comes from God, it came at a price. The holy cannot sit with the unholy. 
It's only through the blood of Jesus that we are holy, and he paid the price so that we could keep getting forgiven, keep getting more grace. Jesus, it's by your wounds that we are healed. So as we hold this bread, we remember your sacrifice. We'll never forget. We'll never move beyond it. It will always be your amazing grace and your sacrifice that we praise. Let's take the bread together. Scripture says after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. God, we have a new covenant, a covenant of grace. Thank you, Lord, for your covenant. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. By your blood, I am cleansed. Would you just say that to Jesus? Just say that to him. Lord, by your blood, I am cleansed. Just say that to him. By your blood, by your sacrifice. Lord, we thank you for it. Let's take the cup together. Praise God.